0: We have had a couple plans where we've added some guaranteed income benefits and the, the employees, the participants, there are some that truly need to have that comfort that there's going to be a guaranteed income option available to them. Because our goal has always been to focus on the income benefit that the, the retirement plan is going to provide, not that huge lump sum value because people just don't fully understand what that impact has to them.
1: From Ray & Associates Remote Studio in Newark, Ohio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit-and-tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics to give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader and help your organization grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. Last year, lawmakers passed one of the most substantial updates to help business owners with new retirement plans. Today, we are going to take a look at the SECURE Act and the impact it currently has on companies, beneficiaries, and individual retirement accounts. Paul McEwen, Principal and Director of Benefit Plan Services with Ray & Associates, and Steve Frank, Principal and Financial Advisor with Wealth Management Organization Investment Partners, are here to help us break down the SECURE Act and give us some insight on fiduciary best practices related to retirement planning. Welcome to Unsuitable, Paul and Steve. Thanks, Doug. Had to be here. Ah, good. Good to have you both, uh, Paul. You and I have been doing uh, a lot of webcasts and and other things uh, recently related to, to PPP and uh, the CARES Act. But we're here today, right, to talk about the Secure Act. So, so give us an overview. When
2: you invited me to talk on the Secure Act, I had to uh, I had to go look that up again because <laughs> first, you know. The most recent thing was the PPP, like you said, and then prior to that, we were all focused on the CARES Act and uh, right. So Secure Act, yeah, late last year.
1: Yeah what what does it mean? Um, what were some of the incentives for for companies and and impact for individuals related to the, the Secure Act? Well,
2: I can mention some of them. I know Steve Frank uh, probably has a different little bit different perspective on this as a uh, wealth manager. And an investment advisor, but it was kind of a potpourri of things. Congress likes to have these uh, names for their legislation, and, and I don't know that uh, we're all more secure <laughs> with our <laughs> retirement because of this legislation. Uh, maybe Steve has some opinion on that. But it, <laughs> it was a it was a mishmash of things that uh, that uh, Congress and the administration kind of they've been thinking about doing some stuff and of towards the end of last year, they decided they would all they would throw it all together and throw a nice name on it. And um, you know, I, I think there are some good provisions uh, within it. Some of them, I think, were had been advocated for by different uh, lobbies, the, the insurance lobby, for example. For a long time, they've been talking about trying to get annuity products, annuity. Yeah, you know, I guess for lack of a different term, annuity products into 401k plan lineups so that you could have some sort of fixed income. You could invest in it and you would know kind of what your monthly income at retirement was. A lot of issues related to annuity products. Steve can go into some of the details, I'm sure. But there was resistance kind of across the board from the industry and from plan sponsors to to add them. Portability is another issue. Uh, But one of the biggest issues was just this concern about how do I do my due diligence on selecting uh, as a fiduciary on selecting the annuities in the plan. And um, so that was one of the things that they addressed to the secure act was to put some limits around that, that due diligence process. And so hopefully we'll see, um, you know, with our clients, I wouldn't say they're, they're knocking the doors down. I I think the industry record keepers are still trying to come up with products to put on Mm -hmm. to, uh, the platforms that are that meet all the requirements in terms of portability, but um, there there had already been some products out there on different record keepers that, that kind of met that definition. Uh, that and all of this kind of goes all the way back to two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You know, when everybody four right. hundred one k became a two hundred one k, and everybody panicked. Yep. Um, Congress got all concerned about. You know, we need to have something that people can invest in and it's not going to go down in value, right? It's like, right, like a CD. And, right. uh, but better than that, it's got some sort of guarantee associated with it. So, so that's kind of when we started through this whole journey. And and we just now are getting to the point where maybe we're going to add these, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I'm beware the guarantee, right? Yeah, there beware is, the guarantee. There's always risk.
2: And there's, there's fees that are, you know, that are part of these as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'd like to invite Steve into the discussion to see what, what
1: is. Yeah, Steve, with, what with clients. What, what, what do you see? I mean, we have this big I know we keep, I keep hearing this uh, this MEP acronym and and I, I learned, hey, we have to, we can't just use acronyms. So what t- talk to me about MEP and what, what what's going on with that and how this is all part of the, the
0: SECURE Act. Well, I think the MEP is a great or benefit that the Secure Act is offering, but I'll just uh, really briefly touch about what Paula was getting to uh, and su- kind of summarize the the annuity benefits within 401ks also, because we have had a couple plans where we've added some guaranteed income benefits and the, the employees, the participants, there are some that truly need to have that comfort that there's going to be a guaranteed income option available to them because Our goal has always been to focus on the income benefit that the the retirement plan is going to provide, not that huge lump sum value because people just don't fully understand what that impact has to them. So I'm kind of excited to see what uh, options could potentially be added. It's going to have to step up your fiduciary responsibilities. You're going to want to make sure you do your due diligence on the companies for the financial stability and soundness and competitiveness. So... Again, I'm looking forward to uh, what the annuities can potentially bring for the employees to, to feel comfortable about retiring. And if potentially, and segue to where the MEPs come into play, where we could get more people to contribute into the retirement plan. Uh, okay. Really just uh, an enhanced version of a multiple employer program, which has been around for a number of years. Okay. So the biggest difference that is coming out of the SECURE Act is, is that, you don't have to have a commonality for your multiple employer group. You don't have to have all uh chamber of commerce. You don't have to have all trucking industry. You could have the hairstylist down the road and the restaurant up the street and the law firm around the corner. Okay. And they could join this multiple employer group, or as it's called a, uh, and Paul, you could probably help me with it, a, a pooled program, a pooled employee program. Pat. And
2: a pet, not a member path.
0: Everybody so, loves so American. what's
1: the what's the benefit of that of that type of setup for for a, a business owner?
0: Where, where I see a huge benefit is, you know, and not to categorize groups, but I think for the smaller size or the companies that haven't wanted to add a retirement plan that were concerned about costs and fiduciary responsibilities, I think these Meps and Peps are going to be phenomenal because. We're trying to work out our own pet program where we could go and package it up as one program for all these different organizations. And I could potentially get pricing for a, a much larger size plan, a $20, $30, $40 million plan for all these small groups combined together, where if you try to go get uh, 10 plans uh, that are $2 million each, they're going to have different pricing all over the place. And the conclusion is they're not going to have the most competitive pricing. And gotcha. I see that as a huge benefit of where the maps and PEPs are going to be able to provide some some, uh, some simplicity to the programs, provide companies that weren't considering options to get in to potentially get in, and uh, there are some other caveats to it. I mean, you got to have some simil- similarities to them. You got to have some some tax incentives such as the auto enrollments, and again, try to get features that are consistently across the board. But uh, I see them as a great benefit for getting more companies uh, and, and more employers to consider offering a retirement plan on a lot more efficiencies for, for their group.
1: That's awesome. So it's it's basically an economy is a scale thing. It sounds like you get all these these businesses together and it, it makes sense. Yeah, it it's a,
2: it's a reduction of costs, right? And especially at the small employer level, the small plan yeah. Uh big, big plans have always enjoyed um, kind of lower fees relative to small plans. So it's getting yeah. small plans into the same... Same fee ballpark as larger plans, uh, and it's also mitigation of fiduciary uh, obligations and responsibilities. Uh, yeah, pairing those with professional plan administrators, professional service providers. Um, yeah, offloading some of that you can't get it, you can't get out from under all of your fiduciary obligations, but uh, a, a lot of the day to day stuff you can.
1: So, Paul, talk to us a little bit about what um, some of the changes that that were made as it relates to IRAs. Most folks have an IRA that they've, you know, are rolled say an old 401k into a, an individual retirement account. So what, what did the secure act do with regard to IRAs? Well, I, the-
2: I think you, you had uh, Wendy Schick on it earlier talking about some of the, some of these provisions of, of the secure act, but probably the biggest thing as far as the IRAs go is the, the elimination, excuse me, of the, of the, of the, Stretch IRA provision you used to be able to leave your IRA to it uh, and it, somebody other than your spouse, a non-spouse beneficiary, and 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 that person could then kind of stretch the distributions over their lifetime. Uh, was really powerful in the case of Roth IRAs. No uh, no men, uh, minimum required distribution requirements. Uh, so they got, they eliminated that. Uh, it still exists. The, the spouse can. And uh, doesn't have doesn't have to pull money out over ten years, but they shortened up the distribution time frame uh, from lifetime to to a ten year, and that was probably the biggest impact uh, when it comes to financial planning. I don't know, Steve, gotcha. if you have any additional comments on that. I know that was a pretty big sea change uh, from a retirement planning
0: perspective. It, it is it is a game changer changer for a lot of different people because, as Paul made reference. The stretch provision, we have utilized a lot for clients. Unfortunately, parents have passed away and uh, their children are are still working. They got younger children themselves. They're high wage earners at this point. And the last thing you want to do is have them be required to take an additional distribution from a parent's retirement account that has to be liquidated during some of their highest wage earning periods, where the stretch provision allowed them to take out the, the minimum amount that was necessary. They didn't need more than that. It was something to help supplement their potential retirement and or inheritance for their children down the road. But now that it has to be liquidated over a 10-year period of time, I think it's going to be uh, some, some difficult decisions for parents to consider what they want to do with their beneficiary designation and understand where it's going and why it's going. One of the caveats I will bring up to this, and I'm not an attorney, I'm not a... I won't draft the legal documents, but we have told a lot of our clients who have trusts as beneficiaries to really go back and revisit with your estate attorney uh, to confirm it is conforming to the new regulations, new rules, so that you're not getting false expectations that there are enough stretch provisions available because a see-through trust basically is just going to be the same as any other beneficiary. There has to be liquidation within a 10-year period of time. Gotcha. over a lifetime.
1: So, so no, no grandfathering it. or anything like that allowed. You've got to, got to deal the with it. The only
0: grandfathering thing. that is out there in, uh, it's a, it's kind of a morbid way to say it is that uh, if you passed away January 1st, 2020, you have no stretch provisions going forward. If you passed away prior to that, you had stretch provisions available to you.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, if I passed away, i frankly, wouldn't care. Right. <laughs> but no, I, I, I kid beef because obviously these are important conversations that, uh, family members need to be thinking about. And as you said, talk to, talk to your professionals like, like you and Paul and, and your, your attorney and all that. So Steve, talk to me a little bit about required minimum distributions. That's always something that, you know, we hear about and, uh, you know, what, what anything changed there? What, what is that, uh, What's the latest that was,
0: there? That was, again, one of the bigger changes within the SECURE Act. And it did uh, impact a lot of people because the, the required minimum distribution, otherwise known as your RMD, just stipulated that once you turned 70 and a half, you had to take a distribution out of your qualified retirement account. If it was still in a 401k or if you had it in a traditional IRA, you the government said, uh, time's up, you have to start taking some distribution because they want... Uh, the, the income tax off of that. And the big provision that changed on it was uh, it effectively moved the r and to 72 years of age. Okay. So you got an extra year and a half basically of uh, forgiveness of having to pay tax on your distribution. And again, this is just dealing with the minimum requirement. Gotcha. Uh, Anybody can take am- any amount that you want, whenever you want, however you want, uh, when you are in retirement, especially in your 70s, if that's the case. But if you didn't need the money or weren't expecting to use the money, that the RMD did come into play. And again, that got pushed out from 70 and a half to 72. So okay. it
2: was really just an acknowledgement that people are living longer, right? Yep. And, and they're going to need their funds long. Yeah. So let's start those distributions a little bit later than, than we were. It's you know a year and a half, but it's better seventy two no, better it, than seventy and a half.
1: Right? It, it all helps, right? Yeah, it all helps.
2: The, the other thing with IRAs, one last comment uh, is it, it eliminated the the age re- restriction in terms of making contributions. So again, uh, an acknowledgement that people are living longer, they need to continue to put money into an IRA, continue to add assets, accumulate assets for retirement. Since since we're living longer
1: yeah now paul from a a plan perspective we're certainly seeing a lot more um roth options with within uh plans as well can you can you talk a little bit about what those are what for business owners out there what does that what does that do what does that mean what what are the options there
2: you're just talking about roth a roth option in general in a, a 401k plan
1: yeah yeah absolutely
2: yeah that wasn't necessarily part of of the secure act but we, we do oftentimes talk with clients about adding a Roth provision to their 401k plan. And what it does is a lot of, a lot of high income earners uh, are phased out of the ability to do a Roth IRA uh, in the traditional sense, you know, through a, through an individual retirement account, particularly if they're a mm-hmm. participant in a retirement plan, which most people are. Uh, but if you contribute uh, to your 401k, you can put in up to, yeah, rather than making the, the traditional tax deductible contributions through salary deferral to your 401k, you can direct that same money uh, not not in addition to, but instead of the traditional pre-tax. You can do Roth contributions, and 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 the, what you'll notice right away when you make the decision to do that, obviously, is your paycheck goes down because you're paying more taxes currently right. when you do that. But the but the trade-off, obviously is uh, no tax when the money comes out and, and certainly no taxation on the earnings uh, that accumulate within the Roth account and hopefully you get to get to the point where you retire uh, leave employment and then you can roll roll that Roth account inside your 401k to uh, to an IRA
1: yeah and we can all dream right that we could retire someday
2: <laughs> yeah but it is a nice opportunity to to really accumulate significant dollars in an after-tax way um, that'll never, never be taxed. And, you know, you, you bite the tax bullet when you're putting it in, but uh, after yeah. that, it's, and, and i and I'm sure Steve has, has uh, important thoughts on this, but we talk to clients about having multiple buckets, uh, some mm. tax, some after tax so that you can uh, have a mix of income streams in retirement. And so, uh, you know, no one can predict the future. And so you don't know what tax rates are going to do and what your income is going to be in retirement. Uh, so if you have a mix of, of different types of income, uh, in addition to Social Security, then that's a good thing from a, t- from a tax standpoint.
1: Yeah, Steve, particularly right? given, given yeah. today's low rates, right, Steve? Well,
0: yeah, exactly. Well, absolutely. We're always looking for the most tax-efficient program when we're looking at retirement income distribution. Um, and it's it, it's trying to integrate as many tax advantage programs as possible in the Roth 401 k Roth IRA. And one one big conversation we're having in today's environments with current market conditions is Roth conversions, okay. uh, giving flexibility to people to maybe convert values that have dropped in value in an IRA to a a Roth account, paid the tax with anticipation of hopefully the stock or the investments or markets continue to appreciate in the future. And you just converted a a value a little bit lower to get tax-free income and distributions later. But yeah, going back to Paul's comment, I absolutely support the tax efficiencies, uh, building a retirement income plan for anybody. And, uh, 401ks give that uh, there wasn't anything in the Secure Act that emphasized Roth provisions, but it is definitely a planning tool that most people should at least review to see where it fits well, if it fits well into their plan or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, I think ultimately the 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 best advice here, right, is sit down with your your professionals like uh, you know like Steve and and Paul here and make sure that you're planning and thinking through uh, all of these things. I think we now is a good time to sort of reset and and do a lot of that for for everybody. So before we let you guys go, uh, I want to hear each of your comments on, you know, what what do you think's ahead? Uh, You know, not only with regard to the SECURE Act, but any other potential changes that seem to be gaining steam anywhere in in the market that you think uh, have have a chance to to, uh, impact us in the next uh, year or so?
2: Well, I would just... Getting back to Steve's comments uh, regarding the MEP, we're still waiting on on regulations that, that the legislation, Secure act, kind of paved the way to allow for these uh, unrelated employers to join join together and create a plan. Uh, what what what? The devil's in the details on that. So uh, I know that proposed regulations from the Department of Labor have recently gone to uh, OMB for review. Uh, so we're we're expecting those to come out at some point between now and the end of the year. I, I wouldn't, I would not, uh, given everything that's going on right now with the economy, I wouldn't predict on when those will come out, but when those do, I think you're going to see a lot of discussion in, you know, among employers in the marketplace regarding the MEP opportunity. And is it a good fit? And, you know, does it make sense for me as a, as an employer, to have and take my plan and, and join it with somebody else. What what do I give up by doing that? You know, I, other than that, I don't see a whole lot coming down the pike. This we've we've kind of had a uh with, with COVID and everything, kind of everything's kind of stalled at you know at this point. Mm. People are just kind of in survival mode. Yeah. But um but I, I, I I do think that there'll there will continue to be an emphasis on on getting more people into plans. And that was one of the big goals of of the secure act we didn't talk about a lot of the other provisions uh individual provisions that really are are trying are aimed at increasing coverage but uh that will that will continue to be a goal of the the government we'll start we'll continue to see that
0: steve gotcha. i'll just emphasize paul's last comment there is a number of other provisions with the act within the act itself that is really trying to get more people and more companies to offer retirement plans. Uh, The government has recognized that Social Security was never and is designed not to be only a retirement plan for anybody. It's Mm -hmm. supposed to be a supplement. That's how it was initially established. And how do you get more companies to participate in the retirement plan marketplace? Again, I think some of those are changing. And until the MEP program really gets some foundation tax-wise, yeah, I think that's the biggest uh, adjustments that we'll still see a year from now probably. Um, gotcha. But a number of number other uh, provisions from the act that are very beneficial for personal planning. So mm-hmm. like I made reference on the, the beneficiary designation on your IRAs, if it's a trust or even if it's a non-spouse, make sure you, you, you've reviewed those and understand on how they fit. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a good time to certainly revisit and rethink all of those things as we should be. It's uh, as we preach with our, you know, on, on the assurance and and tax side of our, our business at Ray, you know, these are living and breathing documents and and plans and all of that. Don't just, uh, you know, it's not do it one time, throw it on the shelf and forget about it. So uh, not good for anybody, but that's a uh, yeah, great uh, great insight from both of you. Thank you, Paul, and and thank you, Steve, for for being on today. So really appreciate that. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Steve, I'll overlook that Steelers banner that's hanging over your shoulder there, <laughs> but uh, otherwise enjoyed it. Paul's got the, the he's got the right setup there with the the Buckeye theme, so I like that. But uh, anyway, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.racecpa.com podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional.
2: The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.